0: There's been a lot of talk about Evan Ferguson this week and Bohemians have about 10 million reasons why they want it all to come true. The
1: fella fell in the grain short. The fella in the grain on my
0: short. Keep the good man on the bench. Welcome to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast in a week where Derry City fly the flag for League of Ireland in Europe. Evan Ferguson shines at the weekend, but what other Irish players are we hoping... Big things are around the corner for this season and the League of Ireland is shaping up nicely for a grandstand finish. But we do have one, almost certainty at this stage. My name okay, is Roy Shannon very and very I'm joined by Nathan Dyle at TheBigKickoff.com. Uh, there is, of course, the fan question, Nathan, which is a really interesting one about the League of Ireland supporters. So we would be interested to hear what everyone has to think about that one. But Nathan, let's start about... Irish players abroad Erwin Ferguson got all the praise at the weekend and Bohemians fans will be praying I suppose for the big move
1: Yeah as much as your two boys here love the League of Ireland football it's hard not to get swept up by the return of the Premier League isn't it and as you said there's a lot of games uh, came ticking fast I watched an ungodly amount of football over the weekend mate. I don't know about you I think I clocked in 7-8 games including the League with the League <laughs> of Ireland Premier League and how I'm still in a relationship is beyond me at this stage. Uh but going back, yeah, uh, Brighton beating uh Luton four-one, not the ideal start. Luton Town fans would have wanted no. in the first game of the Premier League. But here, uh, boy, as you said, Evan Ferguson on the score sheet coming off the bench and getting a, a late goal to to uh, put himself on one goal for the season. And big year from coming up, isn't it? As he really, really impressed at the back end of last year, and now. Uh, even though it's not his fourth full season, but you know what I mean, his fourth full season with a bit of recognition and there's a lot of a lot of eyes on him now. Uh, he'll have the extra bit of competition with Danny Welbeck and Joe Pedro after coming into the club. Um, so it was only really him and Danny last year. He would have fancied Evan um, freaks and all of them. So that will improve him too. I'm, I am glad he set up Brighton. But both fans will not be uh, happy to hear that one. And he certainly won't be happy to hear that the, uh, the Brighton chairman, has said that Evan Ferguson uh, won't be moving, leaving the club in the next five years. But uh, as you said, Bowers are looking at it. I think the numbers we've seen in any article we've been reading is a sell on clause between 10 and 15 million. As you said in the intro, that would 15%. It around, yeah, 15%.
0: Excuse Depends. me. And, and, and again, I mean, it, it has been, yeah, it has been spent uh, at about 100 million, maybe, that, that yeah. everyone's talking about. Sure, who knows, as you said, what's going to happen in three or four years' time?
1: Yeah, and well, does, I don't know if you've seen, I was scrolling through Twitter there while they are doing the intro. And uh, Gary Linegar has already <laughs> thrown a potential club into the half of Evan Ferguson. I'll just have a little, uh, little sneak peek of this one out. It's saying, Evan Ferguson scores in Fergie time. He's a born goal scorer. If I was in charge of recruitment at Spurs, I'd take a punt on him as Kane's replacement. Could we be looking at a move soon at me, that the next five years and Bowers could be stumbling on a punt? You know out what? Out
0: there's Brighton with Casado they probably ruined their chances you know for the likes of Spurs and stuff like that to, to be great for Brighton but the money that's going out now at the moment would Spurs actually spend that much money on a on a centre forward who's 18 years of age and and, and really not proven yet he scored a handful of goals in the Premier League does look like he's the he has the quality and, and, and everything that goes with it. There's no doubt about that. But he still has to do it. He still has to score 20 goals a season, you know. So that'd be a lot of money to be thrown out at someone. So And I don't think Spurs are going to throw that money aside. Daniel Levy's not going to throw that money aside. <laughs> you know, at a punt, you know, that he's going to kick on and be what he's supposed to be. So, yes, if he could fit into that team and, and they got him at a price... Absolutely, I think they'd take him in a heartbeat. I think any team in the Premier League would take him in a heartbeat. But he's not guaranteed the goals that people would want for that sort of money. The reason why Bayern Munich have taken Harry Kane is to expect to get between, you know, the 20 and 35 goals or whatever it is over there that that they expect. But yeah, I think... I think he would be sticking around Bose any, or Brighton for another year at least. Anyhow, I can't see them wanting to damage their hopes of staying in the Premier League because they keep selling players. They'll soon drift away. Leicester drifted and, and other teams have drifted down into that championship again. So they really don't want to do that. It doesn't make a difference if you have the, the money. You want to be in that Premier League and, and fighting for European places. So... Yeah, I think Ervin Ferguson, if if he if does get the move, Bose will be delighted because they're going to get that bit of money, that injection of cash that will help them with anything they're doing, whether it's training, groundwork or whatever it is, facilities, anyhow, infrastructure. It'd be brilliant uh, to be able to get that kind of money. But at the moment, I suppose it's just a wish. And if the, the chairman's at him to go by, it's not going to happen. So, uh, but we look at that uh, in his, in our eyes, it's brilliant because I watched that game against Bright- or Brighton at the weekend. And when he came on, he just looked sharp the minute he yeah, came on. He, he looked a threat. Himself, so, yeah. yeah, he so did. It, yeah, that was great. Great to see. Is there anyone else over, any other Irish players over in England, Nathan, that it'd be interesting to keep an eye out for this season? Do you know what?
1: And look, everyone's question, answer to that question is going to be Evan Ferguson. Those three lads that caught my eye um, on the team sheets because he did make, uh, a oh, didn't make a minute, it didn't make a one minute appearance for the three gloves. But the three youngish Irish uh, prospects that were Premier League teams, and as I said, they, they all made the bench for the opening uh, games of the Premier League. So hopefully this year could you could see them push on. Uh, first enough for me was uh, Tom Cannon. It was great to see Tom at the bench for everything uh, in the defeat against Fulham. Only 20 years of age, a really exciting prospect uh, at the underage level. So let's like see how Tonka push on. And one for me, right? I think I thought about this guy before and how really exciting I, uh, I am about watching him play. And it's funny that we actually were meant to see him play with Derry City on loan. I think it was two years ago and it never walked out because of a massive injury, went back to Man City. Uh, that's been Joe Hodge now. Uh, again, another 20 mm. year old player that was on the bench for Wolves. Uh, last night at the time recording in their tight 1-0 defeat uh, in all traffic against Manchester United. I think Joe an excellent midfielder uh, selfishly for Ireland. I think if you could get him in there with the likes of uh, himself, Josh Cullen, another player we could add to this list uh, with his fourth Premier League season with Burnley, but I think if you could add the likes of Josh Cullen, uh, Joe Hodge, you got get anchor anchoring that midfielder for Ireland. We could be really, really exciting uh, in that department. Another lad as well, uh, Conor Coventry Roy, which is probably the the. the the one that maybe stands out a little bit in terms of that he is 23. He really should be playing, uh, looking to play games at West Ham or just move on. He's at an age where he needs to be playing regular football. But again, he was in the pent- bench at West Ham uh, in the opening draw against uh, Bournemouth. So these are the lads that are in the periphery of the first team. Uh, they really need to be breaking through, especially in Connor Coventry's case. I think it's a uh, stick at twist time for Connor. But yeah, it likes of Tom Cannon. And uh, Joe Hodge, the two that I'd really like to see push on uh, from an Ireland point of view, selfishly. Yeah,
0: well, on the first week of the English Championship, I looked at Southampton. I think they were on the Friday night. I think they got a 2-1 yeah, win. Yeah, And uh, they had gathered... Wednesday, it, wasn't it? That's what they yes, started off. That's correct. Gavin Bazunu, but they had uh, Will Smallbone and Ryan Manning was there as well. I think their manager brought him along uh, from Swansea. Um, it shows the faith that he has in Ryan Manning and he performed very, very well. Uh, Bazunu didn't have too much to do, but did what he had to do well. But Will Smallbone, why said I couldn't believe why at the time... That Stephen Kenny put Will Smallbone into such an important game out in Greece. I thought it was a big mistake. He looked out of. I, I, I couldn't understand why he didn't go for experience, etc., uh, etc. Cetera, et cetera. And I think he 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 rude that day that he actually did because uh, Will Smallbone wasn't uh, he wasn't anything on that pitch that day, and it wasn't not down to him. But I just think it was a, it was too early for him. I watched him against Sheffield Wednesday on that opening weekend, and he was. Excellent at doing the simple things. Kept everything ticking. N- nothing outstanding, but the ball, every ball move was going through him and it was simple stuff from him and And he was the the player that linked it all together and I thought he was, it looked like he took a little step up in, in his performances uh, from where he had been. So I'd be interested to see, this championship season could be great for him uh, playing with Southampton this year and it'd be great to see those go up this year. I'd love to see Southampton go up this year and get three more Irish players into the Premier League. Uh, Ryan Manning was an interesting one and, and I'll be keeping a close eye on him. Also, Adam Eda is back. Uh, he did get a winner, didn't he, uh, a couple of weeks ago. So he is uh, he's back on. But again, not a prolific goal scorer. So it'll be interesting to see how he develops this year. Uh, there's a couple of other, Obama Daly and, and mm-hmm. Shane Duffy. Trent. You know, yeah. I mean, what can they what can they do to to kick on? We, we want to see those players kick on. We know they've got into the Irish setup. Obviously, Duffy's been there a long time, but can he come back again, or is or is he on the decline and and this is his way out? Malumbi is still there, so you've got all these players um, that you want to try and make a step on. And can they do that because the Irish national team needs it? Uh, Mac Travers has gone to Stoke on loan. Uh, I see in his first game, he didn't have much to do in the first game again. What he did, he did well. And um, but there is a, a lot of movement, I think. Sean McGuire didn't he go to Carlisle United? Yeah, he did go to Carlisle,
1: yeah. Um, and again, he's disappointed with that, Roy, isn't it? Like yeah. you'd imagine Sean could have stayed around the championship level, uh, it would have been a good move from. But it's interesting that you did mention Mark Travers there. And there's a couple of clubs that have a little bit of um, an Irish influence, but Stoke City are definitely one of them. I said mm. Mark is there. Ender the Stevens uh, got That's a move right. to Stoke City. Uh, Luke McNally, you're centre half. Again, with the path connection, it's always going to be you're going to keep an eye of these players. But smashing centre half was with Burnley last year. Uh, then we got a long move to Coventry. Made it all the way to the playoff finals. Played in the final in Wembley. So it be great to see Luke having a good season this year at Stoke City and all the Irish lads. And it's actually interesting as well that you said you were watching the Southampton game, isn't it? Um, I think it's the one weekend of the year that everyone's a massive championship fan because you're, sort of, you're waiting on the Premier League to start. And I will say, I fell into that trap as well. Right? Uh, I w- was watching uh, Celtic against Ross County the weekend before. And some of that, actually, off camera. Again, the peak, we like to let the people peep behind the corner a little bit, don't we? We were saying off camera how much uh, we're disappointed as two Manchester United fans about Mason and uh, Mount's debut someone that did have a cracking debut for Ross County, Roy, it's your old friend, James Brown, our boy. Yes. He oh, had, yes. Uh, he, he was really, really good against Celtic. now, they do they well beaten by Celtic as expected, uh, away from home, but, yeah, it's debut right back for Ross County, again, 25, someone that's, now the league now is in 2021, but this is 40 UK, uh, UK clubs, so you're really hoping James can settle into a role now, and, and like, make a name of himself, and it's, after the performance, the Ross County manager even came out and said that this is someone that should be up for selection for the, the Ireland international squad. Obviously, we need to see more than one good performance. He did get a late goal um, in the 4-2 defeat, but it's anyone that's seen James play at League of Ireland, it's just the constant bombing up and down at the, the right-hand side. Excellent delivery from the ball. I think his defensive work goes overlooked at times because he is such a good attacking uh, defender, but in his 1v1 situations, he's uh, really calm and collective. So, James, again, someone that we've been looking at for a while, someone that we've been championing uh, for a while. It literally got it was sort of an inside joke, didn't it, <laughs> on the big kickoff, how big fans we were, of James? But again, it was great to see him pop up and great to see him play so well. And someone that you're really looking to kick on and hopefully has a good year. And who knows where he could find himself after a, a good season up in the SPL, whether that be a more uh, significant move. To a bigger English Or even find himself In Stephen Kenny's uh, Squad Well obviously that's Stephen is still in charge uh, At international duty but him, Yeah you? it was good to see
0: Sacked him in my head Yeah <laughs> Sacked him in my head And I will always You
1: Stevie's boys we always League of Ireland Shields Right League of Ireland Shields
0: um, players are. like Pramise uh Danny Mandreou I haven't got to look at them I I will get the chance to look at them or to try and look at as many of these games you can only watch one at a time so I will start yeah. looking at a few of these games but I really would like to see them kick on as well they, uh, you don't want these players going across and then just being stagnant you want them to build yeah. on, on what they've done in the League of Ireland have their season where they settle in and then kick on and you want one or two of these to try and make that Irish squad uh, and, that, and that would be brilliant if that happened. I think Ross Tierney's gone to Walsall, isn't he?
1: Walsall, he's playing this evening. Uh, Ross Tierney and, oh, it's had to go on in my head. It's another Irish guy that's playing there. Um, feel, feel our conversation, feel our conversation while Nathan Fuegles Mar- was well, playing up. for Ross, Ross County. Um, but yeah, he's another one. Uh, Georgia Kelly was actually a name as well, Roy, that was looking at um over the weekend, someone that had a great end to the season last year um at Rotherham sure. and it's been in there the bench a little bit already early on this season. That's another player you'd like to see go on and uh and do well for him for himself, uh over in England. Another player that sees how a lot of positive attributes about him, and someone that has settled in uh very well. Almost done stalling for time because Walsh are playing Wrexham this season. I was looking at the teams, um Oh, Freddie Draper That's a player well, Not even Irish Just someone that played for In the League of Ireland So we knew there was A connection there nice. um, So there we go uh, And actually as well uh, What we are talking about Rex and James McLean Be interesting to see How uh, his big money move Goes uh, for Rex in this season Someone that's Had an excellent year Wigan last season Win the, yeah. the club player Of the season So um look here. he's got plenty of documentary time in uh, season 2 of the <laughs> the direction documentary I have, to say,
0: because- I, I have a list here in front of me of all the players uh, Irish uh, players that are playing abroad uh, of course you know Italy and Banquen, you know etc yeah. Kerrigan and whatever but uh, there's so many players that are playing in, like, in Algeria uh, Germany Austria Belgium Cambodia Cyprus Faroe Islands Israel it's amazing how many players or Kane is Robbie Kane. obviously he's managing out there but um, th- th- there's so many Irish around the world uh, and, and we don't really keep an eye on, on them all so we really should no. keep an eye on these players and, and, and see where they're going but uh, We'll be keeping an eye on some of them young players, especially when they leave the League of Ireland, because we do really want them to kick on. And uh, of course. Uh, we will maybe we'll do that during the year. Maybe we'll have a little look at, uh, maybe even have a little talk to some of these players. Okay, Nathan, Dirty City. They are in Europe this week. Uh, they one nil defeat away from home was nothing nothing wrong with that at all. Uh, especially no. after, I think they beat Basil, didn't they? Was it was a four three. They beat Basel in the last round, Basil so here, that was which a... is surprising is it going to be a case here because we've seen this so many times at League of Ireland teams they'll get a half-decent result away from home and then they'll just let it slip within the first 20-25 minutes and the game's out of bounds or do you feel there's more in Derry that they can actually go on and and get something out of this
1: yeah it'd be great to see them getting something out of it wouldn't it because as you say when the draw was made and you could have played Basel or uh, FC uh, Tobel who they're playing now from Kazakhstan you just assumed, oh, that's going to be Basel and that's going to be a nightmare of a game for Derry. But then um, all of a sudden, they're, they're laid aside in Kazakhstan. You think, oh, there could be a bit of a chance here to move on and, and find a way in the playoffs. What I will say is, it was, and these things do play into factors, and I don't think it's talked about an, an awful lot. Derry have been really unlucky this year in with their draws, and maybe not the level of competition. But the travel arrangements for every game for them has been an absolute nightmare. It's been into the Faroe Islands, to uh, into Northern northern Finland, which you know it's not like they were going into Helsinki. It's, it's difficult travel. And now going to Kazakhstan, I believe it was 10 hours of travel, even though it was a charter flight. There was multiple stop-offs on the way. So these things do play into effect. And yeah. I think going into the game, Derry City fans and League of Ireland fans as well as a whole, because any half-decent League of Ireland fan would be hoping for any sites in the league to go on and do well in Europe. Because, as we always say, it benefits everybody. So just think, just go over after all that, because they have to do that return, their, their return travel now, coming to Ireland, and stay in it. And they are well, early, you know? they, only, they got beaten one nil away from home. I don't know if you've seen the game. Uh, after a crack and goal, that, that separated the two sites. Um, Roman, uh, i have his name up here one second. Roman uh, Oscar Rangloff was an absolute cracker. Really, if you haven't seen it, check it out. Uh now we're coming to the Vitone leg. It's uh two days time a time recording, which is towards totally the 17th in the in uh, let's say in the brandywell. But we'll actually talk about that now in a minute about the brandy itself. <laughs> uh on RT stummy so in the brandywell. Nope, is not. So I think the one benefit for uh, Derry is the fact that they do have a full squad to pick from and a full squad that is chopped uh with plenty of talents. They did have a game sandwiched between uh they'd be dropped a 3-0 and looked really comfortable. I thought that was a game maybe Drott could catch him on the bounce, you know, could catch them a little mm. bit tired uh from the travel and maybe one eye on the big European game, but they're really, really comfortable uh in the wind there. So I don't see any reason why Derry should be overly fearful here. As I said, I was watching the fourth leg. There wasn't an awful lot between the two sides. He wasn't completely outmatched or completely outclassed. So I'd be very disappointed if they did uh, come to Ireland and, uh, and, and not get the job done, uh, to be honest. Difficult tie again. Looks like it's going to be in the, in the next round. Uh, they'll either be facing FC Victoria plans from Czech Republic or Greasy United from Malta. It's going to be the side from Czech Republic that funnel up from the fourth leg again. Victoria, our side that we've seen in the Champions League group status. So it's going to be really yeah. difficult to see them getting past the play opposition. Um, but you know the the, the richest the, the, the European rewards that await them financially if they were and even if, even getting this far, I think they've already made um, eight hundred fifty thousand, which pff, that's where you make your money, isn't it? We've talked about the prize money situation in the league. It's yeah. it's absolutely scandalous, and th- th- this is the money to make. It. And I know. In like, travel expenses and things like that, but the owner has been very, uh, very kind to them and look, looking after that side sort of things. But as I said, a little bit of a slip of the mouth there. Almost, I caught myself saying that the, the return leg was going to be played in the Brandywell. A little bit of controversy around everybody, wasn't it? Around well, where it... The, this, this uh, return fixture was going to be played.
0: Was there controversy or just surprise? Because I think I we just like t- a little
1: bit, of, like a bit of spice, don't we?
0: <laughs> You're looking for a bit of drama. Uh, a bit of spicy like, chicken. I suppose like. they were talking about Tallow, weren't they? And then all of a sudden, yeah. Curveball came in that Windsor Park would be uh, an ideal location for them. <laughs> Is there a problem with it? Like, I mean, if, first no. of all, if the club want it, it's not a problem. And, and and I know there's history. Obviously, it's the north of Ireland and it's Derry. It's, but I see it as a good thing that they would actually look to there to play because that, does that not show us that there's there's a, an easing of tensions?
1: Yeah, no, it definitely does. Uh, I just say, it's just, it's one of those things. I don't think you way for we're ever going to play ball, really. Especially with a side, uh, the, uh, the size of uh, Derry City. Because I know teams like Derry City, St. Patrick, that they can play all of the qualifying games in the home stadiums. They have to nominate a stadium beforehand. And I believe mm-hmm. all sides, including Derry, nominated Halle Stadium. So that was always going to be really difficult to get around. Um, but then, as I said, they formally applied to your waiver from the FEI. The uh, but then you the way for denying them. Uh, as I think that the ruling was. Uh, the venue, the, the venue location has to be within the territory of the football association. Ah, right, right. I just think the only thing from a derby city point of view is, as I just mentioned, you had an absolute nightmare travel going to Kazakhstan. It would have been less of a journey going up to Windsor Park in Belfast, probably more cost-effective for all involved, that being players uh, and fans. But I think I just say, as we are saying, it's a nice. It's always nice to get that little bit of an extra bite in a fixture, but. I think more of the complaints is coming from a Derry City point, fan base point of view. Yeah. On a Thursday evening, quicker journey to Belfast um, yeah. would have been nicer for them. But it would be great to see them in a big crowd because this is an absolutely huge game for them. As I said, it's, it's not only one step closer to group stages, but the financial gain that they could potentially get uh, out, of these, out of these games coming up could be absolutely huge. And we're all for it, for, Henry. We? We'd love to see them.
0: Nathan, if they could possible. only get a billionaire owner to take them over and build them a new stadium. Oh, oh yeah. So, listen, they didn't just need to get that sorted, don't they? I mean, they do. They, yeah. they've never had it so good. So, if the if the owner's in, you know, put your money where your mouth is, get that stadium built so that you can play these stages so you don't have to move. Uh, obviously, you don't do it overnight. but And I, do, I have seen things about Derry City that they are looking to develop.
1: Yeah, we've talked about it before, haven't we? With you know, different different phases of a plan that you have in place. But yeah, look, that's a long-term solution to a short-term problem, mm. unfortunately. But that should be the goal of any club, really, that has significant investment coming in. Especially clubs that have aim to be regulars in European competitions. It's, even from a past point of view, like going to Tallert, it's only up the road. But still, you're still giving up that little bit of home advantage that uh, it's always it would always be nice to have. So yeah, that should be the, the aim of any side, really. Uh, that has ambition of being there, the belts, and these uh, early stages of qualification.
0: Absolutely, no. The league has been progressing nicely. We're we're getting through an awful lot of games over the last while, and the tables have changed quite a bit, Nathan, haven't they? And uh, where you have you, you have, you know, you would you would have had uh, Shamrock Rovers win the league nearly at one stage. That certainly has turned around and changed a bit uh, with their inconsistency, uh, just as good as everyone else's inconsistency i suppose but one guarantee well almost guarantee you'd nearly put your mortgage on it now Nathan yeah is in the first division and that's uh galway united almost certain now to be uh premier division next year
1: yeah they've been absolutely brilliant haven't they all season they've only lost once all uh, for the whole campaign A one in the away to longford which looks like an even better result now for longford as the yeah. year goes on uh, they picked up a 2 0 draw in the most recent game against uh, Waterford. That was looking like it was going to be um, a, a 2 1 win to Waterford, but a towards minute equaliser made sure the points and arguably brought the title uh, to Galway. It'd be great to have them back in. It's, it's always great to have these full time sides back in the Premier Division and full time structure. A great fan base, a uh, really nice, nice stadium. And from an away fan point of view, it's a crack and piss up. So like, that's that's yeah. the definitely it's the self the selfish little uh, little side in it too. But um yeah, I think just because of everything that's been going on in terms of the European games, the Floyd Cup, the Women's World Cup, it's something that we've haven't really touched on at all. is the, the change of paces uh of the both of the leagues. And as you said, go away to win the league, it's a dead dead cert, isn't it? Yeah, but one thing that isn't a dead cert. And I think it's one of the most interesting races in both divisions. It's that fifth-place position uh, for the final playoff spot in the fourth division. You have Wexford doing now uh, in fifth at the minute uh, with 35 points. Then you have Bray behind them and um, 32. Then you have Longford and 31. And it goes down to eighth-place eighth three United on 30 points. It's five points off Wexford. Off mm. Do you know what? Let's throw Finn Harps in there to add another little thing. Finn Harps are on twenty-nine points, just six points I, off. I, I'm going to take That's Finn Harps 15. out
0: of that, Nathan, because they're too inconsistent. For me, I think they're just too inconsistent to get that kind of momentum going. I don't think they're 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 there with their with the momentum. I think they may win a lot more more games than they were at the start of the season, but I don't know if they're gonna have that sort of well, what are they? six points behind. Six, six off they have a chance but they have to overtake like four other teams and that's going to be a big call isn't it
1: yeah and you know what I think I champion Dave Rogers a lot at the start of the season I think he's a great coach and I think he will get time there I don't think he's under any major pressure uh, at at the moment but he went in a little bit of a run and uh, in the middle of last month, they they beat Ramblers four three, and then they went on got a win and Kerry. Then they got a draw against Galway, and you're thinking here's a side that's really starting to pick up a bit of a bit of gusto uh, at the very really start of the season to get that player position. But now they've lost two in the bounce, and yeah. yeah, the inconsistency level is there. I don't know of all them sides that we mentioned, is there one that that you would? Confidently put your money on because I think Bray are, are sort of like a side like a Finn Harps that are just you can't rely on them to be consistent with the results. I actually thought I came to a stage a couple of weeks ago. Um, I could even say it now, I suppose the 14th of four games without a win. Um, which it could even be more than that now at this stage. I think I thought Ian Ryan could have been under a little bit of pressure, but I think the fact that they're still in touch in the playoffs again could keep him within a job. I'd like to see think the story of your treat United. Uh, it's they're getting a full season up to the Premier Division, but out of all them sides, if I was to pick one and one that I'd like to see go up, would be Wexford, just for the job that they've done at that club over the past couple of years. They went from being consistently popping up the table to now being competitive and being able to be in these positions with just sensible moves off the pitch without splashing major money at at the issue. They've recruited well. Uh, they've employed people good at the club, like they got uh, John uh, Godkins in as the head of football. They have a good young manager there, and James Keddy. So, yeah, I'd like to see their success be re- re- rewarded with a return to the Premier Division.
0: Yeah, and Bray Wanderers, they just kind of tarnished themselves a little bit last year, and even the start of this year, just with all the the ongones kind of off the pitch and stuff yeah. like that. It's, they probably need to sit in there for a couple of years and have a good think about themselves
1: yeah you just uh, sit in the corner and think about what you're doing yeah. bad Calvin really. bad <laughs>
0: uh, okay we go on to the uh, but listen I, I think personally if it goes the way it should go and the football is crazy, so you don't. But, I mean, Waterford should be too strong for any of them if they do get to that kind of playoff situation. If they don't, it's their own fault. It's there for them to go and, and take yeah. it, you know. So, uh, But w- what really you'd be looking at, Nathan, is if Waterford did get to that stage, who could they beat if, and who would they want to finish in that second from bottom spot?
1: Yeah, that's raised. That's really heating up too, isn't it? Um, Cork City looked like they were... Edging themselves out there, but picking up a one-all draw at home against UCD-that's a really poor result from a, a court point of view. I think Sligo Rovers are in big trouble, I really do. I, I think if I think they're on a free fall at the moment, and there's been a couple of decisions at the club that I just do not understand. Um, first of all, selling on the top goal in, in Max Matter, it, it club and where we came in. Uh, uh, deactivate the sell-on clause, which is not an awful lot you can do in that case, but what you can't stop is selling your number one goalkeeper shipping him out on loan to uh, to Wrexham and again, like this, we were sort of joking with the James McLean team. he's got, he, I'm sure he's getting an approved pay uh, pay packet and he do have the, you know, the are not that comes with Wrexham now with the owners and the documentary that, that, that's been renewed yeah. as well so that is a plus for him but shipping him out on loan in January well, you're in the middle of... Uh, and you're in a serious position here at, at the minute. I know um, that's six points off Cork City, but there's still plenty of football to be played here. So I just do not understand that that process of sending a top goal scorer and then a one goalkeeper in the space of a week. um, And then replacing him with a young goalkeeper in Conor Walls, that's been at the club for a couple of years, and a keeper in Richard Brush, that Richard, I'd you, say, he's one foot out the door now at the moment. He has a coaching role, at Sligo, so... Not not the youngest keeper that he once has been. So I, I definitely uh, worry about them. The side that's been played with injuries all season. Wilfred Sherald has been uh, ruled out for the rest of the season uh, recently. And that, that's a really tough one for them to take. Someone that you could look at to potentially chip in with a couple of important goals. Yeah. It's an age in midfield. It's an injury-ridden squad. I think they could be in serious trouble if now, they, if they the keep dropping major
0: points. At the start of the season... We talked about Cork being that team that would probably finish in that ninth position, but we also did talk about Rahat and Sligo, yeah, uh, being very easy to catch. You know, if if Cork got any sort of a run of games, and I worried about Sligo at the start of the season. I had seen them in, I think it was a couple of pre-season games and and that were on, and um was it Europe? I can't remember what, I've seen them in a few games, then i seen them at the start, and they didn't look great, but there was, they got a few results, and I was like, I couldn't believe how they got a few results, I remember seeing them play against UCD, in, in the, the UCD Bowl, and they were poor, UCD played them off the park, and yet Sligo, I think 1-3-2 or something in the end, I think they got a penalty, maybe they, uh, I can't remember the whole thing, who scored and all, but, I just was never impressed by them and now as yeah. you said they're losing their better players at a time when they can't afford to and as you said to me Finn Harps yeah easily they could go on a winning streak and they're only six points behind and they could get into that fifth place um, but in this case Sligo have lost losing players they've lost quality and this six point gap well it's it's very easy for them to be sticking in around that early 30 min- or points mark for the yeah. rest of the season And if Cork If Cork can chip in With uh, uh, Four or five wins All of a sudden It gets very really interesting
1: And Sligo also had to travel To Cork To turn us force In two weeks time Cork could yeah. pick up, up A win there They're right down their throat You have a Sligo team That's No natural goal scorer In the team whatsoever The likes of Fabrice Fre- Hartman Is that they're coming back In alone from Orby Leipzig He's a decent player There's decent players In the squad But there's no one he could look at To rely on to pull you out of the hole and pull you out of a situation, you have the guy from fair as well, but very, very inconsistent. Uh, young lad Owen Eldon, uh, fans of a certain vinger, would know his dad, Anthony Eldon, played in the league again, a good, promising talent. But you can't be relying on these young lads to be pulling you out of a relegation battle. Yeah. And come here, as anyone that's listened to the podcast for, for a decent amount of time, i living in Sligo, I'd be somewhat of a soft spot club, a lot of girlfriend whole family have a huge affiliation with the club and it, it, they're definitely too big of a club to perhaps go down but and this is probably a conversation for another time Roy but I think it's a sign of the times that as much as you do like being a community-based club and that being your identity and a works for them in terms of fundraising I think it's just going to catch up with you in this day and age with clubs from the fourth division now coming up with a full-time structure with owners that are willing to invest I just don't think it's going to work out for every club and I think sides so. like Sligo could eventually just fall through the gap.
0: So tell me, you you have those three teams down there, would Waterford look at those and go, these are teams we could beat?
1: Definitely Sligo and Jotter. Definitely, definitely those two. Um, again, Jotter and another side similar to Sligo. We mentioned, I got to the point eventually, I mentioned Freddie Draper at a, <laughs> playing for Walsall. Uh, he was another one that was tough to go. Deeves science sensible enough you know with the likes of Kyle Robinson that's been in the league a couple of years without scoring in abundance of goals of Pat and Shelburne, Jamie Egan has come in at centre half seems to be a, a decent signing but again there's just nothing there you could see pulling them out of a gap from a Cork City point of view everyone was Absolutely devastated to hear the news of Rory uh, Keating's personal news, was uh, losing his father so tragically, but you know, wonder that how would that affect? You're saying he was back on the bench. He was great to see him making an appearance for Cork City. But um, he is a player that, that he has been relying on heavily uh, for goals, and he is having an excellent season. The season season of his life is having. So if he can come back into the fall and, and be back to the match sharp and match quickness, he's someone that could keep Cork City afloat mm. with the likes of Tunday chipping in too, where Cork City have that little bit of killer's instinct where I just feel Sligo and Drogheda, Sligo in particular, just do not have it. And I think Waterford be looking at those two sides and really fancy the chances, especially with a bloody player like Ronan Coughlin, 31 goals this season, yeah. breaking the record for most goals scored in a single season in the League of Ireland, breaking the uh, the Waterford record for most goals scored in a single season that's someone that's on flying form so yeah and that's This just that's a picking out one striker for, for whatever, a squad full of talent but I think the fans that chances against those Sligo and okay. Drek big time
0: so we talked about Shelbourne at the start of the year we thought Shelbourne listen these could these could be not the surprise package but this could be their year that they have kind of They've got the squad together, they've they've gelled well, Damien Duff has gelled them well, there's a good team unity there, and really it looks like that draws have killed them this year, haven't they?
1: Yeah, yeah, it does look that way, doesn't it? Again, another squad that has has plenty of of potential at the start of the season, I thought there's no reason why they can't be challenging for Europe. And look again, they're six points off that fourth place position, I know they would be leading favours, within the cup and and, and stuff like that but they're capable
0: of getting those wins you know they're capable of going on a a running streak you know but at the moment if if we talk about Finn Harps in the manner that they are and in the form that they're shown and then myself kind of ruling them out in my head because of that inconsistency you'd probably have to do the same with Shelburne
1: I think so And I, I think You you mentioned the point About and half the teams Above you I think that is difficult To see Especially in the Premier Division Isn't it They've been relying yeah. On Dundalk, Boas uh, Derry and Pats All to slip up And a lot of them clubs that all mentioned Are either in In a title race Or in a race for Europe And it's, it's going to be difficult For Shells Yeah they're, they're real Middle of the pack now uh, The way the league Standing is lying out They're not going to go down They're too good to go down They're too far ahead The, t- the three sides That we mentioned To go down um, I think they will struggle to get you up this season, which I think if you look at, as we say, we looked at the squad that they had at the start of the year. I thought the recruitment was really, really well. Yeah, uh, I thought he managed to hold on to some players. Uh, that, like I said, uh, Shane Farrell, Jack Moylan, I thought were just destined to move on, whether that be to England or to be uh, to lose like of Shamrock Rovers. But yeah, it's finished. It's been a difficult one for them. Picking up a great draw last minute, Gavin Malloy, uh equalized against Shamrock Rovers in the last game that probably suited other clubs that probably suited Bowers and Pats that are trying to keep up with Shamrock Rovers more than Shells because Shells needed a win there to really to push on and just, to, to keep their fingers on somewhat of a European race so yeah I think I think the season is sort of run at, at, at and this like, stage I can't see them
0: They've only lost the second highest amount of games behind Shamrock Rovers. They've five yeah. and Shamrock Rovers have four. So it just shows you those 13 draws that they've had out of 27 games, they turned you know, three of them into it. That's an extra six points. All of a sudden they're up there and they're challenging. And it just, draws can kill you. As much as a draw can be a good result, draws can kill you. Um, but Shelbourne are shaping up nicely for the future. And that's yeah, where, definitely. That's, that's where anyone have lives to in look yeah, anyone listening
1: here, we're not having a major pop of Shell, but it's a, it's a really good squad. Say to Will about Damien Duff, he's definitely been a good voice of character, but he's he slotted into the role brilliantly. Um, I think he's been excellent for the league. I think he's, the thought league, defended. Yeah. I thought he's defended the league brilliantly in a yeah. lot of mainstream media. So he's a voice that people will listen to, so it will that, that do a lot of good. I think it was a, from a Shell's point of view, it was obviously a massive shame to get. Knocked out Getting to the FAO Go find last year And knocked out In the fourth round By our North Dublin Rovers and Bowes. That would be a huge Point of contention For them But um, yeah It's, it's not going to happen For them this year I'm really really surprised I can't see Duda side Ahead of them uh, Falling back too much
0: Do you think That Shamrock Rovers Even though there's a chase on And it, and there's not much in it There's four points And five points Four points for Pats Five points for Derry And Bowes, And even Dundalk have what 8 points behind Yeah Is this a title race between 4 5 teams or what way do you look at
1: it? I think there's the 4 teams in it I, I wouldn't count them Doc at the minute I think they'll be on a European football more than a, a, a title race It's great to have isn't it because that's been a complaint over the past couple of years well not from Sean Macorver's point of view from a, no. a, a neutral point of view and a Pat's point of view uh, and other close point of view but we do realistically have three sides in Pats, Derry, and Bowles that are clipping at the heels. Uh, I think it's it's important that Derry City do have that game in hand, which for me would push them as not favourites to win the league, but favourites to, to, to go the closest uh, with Shamrock Rovers. Again, still nine games to play. A lot of the sides do still have to play each other in the league, which is really important. Uh, like Pats, look at the, the Pats running. Their last three games is um, Bohemian, Shamrock Rovers, and Derry. I did
0: three. You just three sides around it. That that, that could really, swing and they'll teams. just be hoping that they're in touching distance. With that's him, with it. Those that, games I left.
1: think that's what every side has to do. Is just Shamrock Rovers are still the side leading the pack, and are still the favourites, and are still the side I think are going to win the league. They're going to get over the line. I still think they have another season in them before Derry really come out of of the shell and and start to announce themselves as a dominant force in the league. Mm. I just think you have to get to these, as I said, the Pats, the three pass game. You have to get to the last three games of the season, still in touch and distance and not letting them uh, run away with things. But it is great to have it. Again, from a service pass point of view, it's great to be in that position. But for the league as a whole, it, it does definitely need it because I think even last year in particular, as good as Shamrock Rovers war, the chasing pack done themselves no favours whatsoever. And I think that was fall into that, into that trap too even though I only have to look at the Pats-Bowles game that just happened uh, over the weekend, nil-all draw, Rovers looked like they were going to come out at Tolka Park with a 1-0 win, that would have just pushed them that little bit further and it would have dropped the confidence. All of a sudden you have Pats and, Pats and Bowles saying, oh, well, it's a European race now, it's not a toilet race. But because of that late equalise for Shelbourne, it's still, nothing has changed. They're, they're still all in touch and distance of each other.
0: But the only reason why Shamrock Rovers are in the position where they are is because there has been so many slip-ups by all the others behind them. And I feel that, I mean, you seen the start the bows made, and then they, they they couldn't scrape a win for a long time. Derry City were very inconsistent, Pats were very inconsistent, and Rovers took advantage of that. Sure, so they were they were uh, a lot of points behind at the start of the season. So the, the, if anyone in that other pack even towards the end of this season can put a bit of a consistent run you see that uh, constantly over in England where Manchester City Manchester United or Liverpool when they've won a league for the last 10 games or so you hardly see them getting beaten you know you hardly see them not winning nearly every game and for any of these teams, if they want to have a, a good chance to win this league, they need to go on a run like that. And that's where champions are made. This is a run-in now. There's nine games left. This is a run-in. And St. Pats and Derry uh, and even Bowes. I'm, I'm not totally sure Bowes have it in them to go. I would see more in Pats and Derry to have an opportunity. But I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Uh, I've seen a few times Bowes and I, I like their style of play. I, I like how they're playing. They've developed better than I thought they were going to develop. But, but Shamrock Rovers, there's something about Shamrock Rovers I'm just not sure of. I'm just not sure. They're not the same as they were in the last couple of years. No, they're no, they're no more way. inconsistent no. and that's why they've kind of brought them back to the pack Because and everyone else has been inconsistent. If the rest of them can get that, Pats, let's run around and say Pats, just for your sake, they can get a bit of consistency going and win five and six games in a row. All of a sudden, this league title and if they, and if they play, uh, as you said, those three teams at the end of it.
1: Yeah. And there's Rover's opportunities in, there. In, in in Richmond Park as well, which would be a huge game coming to the yeah, end of the season. There's opportunity so there all, there. all about taking them. And just looking at the fixture list here, Roy, while you were talking, Shamrock Rover's next three games is Dundalk at home, Bows at home, and Derry away. They're three hmm. get a huge game coming up yeah, that, that could yeah. tell a lot. And that, that all of a sudden then what your, 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 your six games remaining, and who knows how their results can go and it's really shaping up isn't it to be brilliant to be a brilliant race whether you do anyone listening whether you think it's a three-team race or a two-team or four whatever you do feel about it it's just great to have sides involved this early on and to have a proper run in not just looking and hoping for a miracle for shamrock rovers to to drop points because they were excellent last year absolutely yeah. excellent and you can't say they've been struggling with injury and, and this that but it that's a shamrock rovers squad that's that's
0: there's with, there, with, with yeah. absolutely with talent
1: yeah there's absolutely brimming brim with talent so it's um, it's it's great to have it in both divisions to have such an interesting running all over the table it really has been the, the most some of the most open standings we've seen over the past couple of years so okay. we'll be waiting we're a bit breath
0: Nathan we're going to finish with the fan question um it's an interesting one and you obviously have thought about this one yourself now. So uh, I'm going to get you to ask the question um, yeah. and then we'll have a bit of a discussion about it. Because I, I when I seen the question, I was like, hmm, this could be tasty.
1: We have a little bit of backstory. I'm not going to be spending too long on the backstory because I know it's not what people want to listen to. So this question from a lad here in up he asked not, his, his name not to be anonymous. I'm not making the stuff up. I've not people listening in. Oh, I just pulled this one out. A genuine, not just messages I'm me phone found. It's sent Roy and we can verify that that this has come from an actual source. <laughs> not that bad, but, it, they're not that bad. Go on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like now, this is my this is the only section I brought to the table. So I was going to death. So I just start making stuff up. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, it's, it's something that just doesn't really want to be named out. is an affiliation with Slogger Rovers. They said he's happy to to, to announce that one. Um, and we talk about there was a bit of a misunderstanding between Slogger Rovers and a fan group uh, within the club. So look, the question that was asked uh, was, the clubs underestimate the efforts of their fans, in particular, the ultra groups. So, do you want to take term, the lead or will I, will I jump
0: in? Well, the term ultra groups always... Mm-hmm doesn't resonate well around Europe even. Ultra groups always seem to be um at one stage in football, ultra groups would have been skinheads with tattoos, going out looking for trouble, and anyone who called them an ultra group all, uh, since then has always had that kind of misdemeanour tag carried along with them. Um I suppose do we use the word ultra group or word ultra group anymore is is there a new terminology that we need to bring because when I did a little bit of looking up and researching on this there's a lot of lot of groups there that would still call themselves an ultra group uh, even you look at the Irish national team they would have an ultra group that sit in uh, behind
1: I can't understand
0: yeah remember, Two one five. that they would they would get the fans going, they would get the chanting going, they would get the atmosphere going, they would, it would be non-stop, it would be constant, and to tell you the truth, the Irish games, the games at the Aviva need them there to kick it all off and to keep that atmosphere going all the way through it. So, and they would still call themselves an ultra group, if you want to call that. Um, is it, do you think it's is it that kind of mixed message from the past and and the present now that it's not quite the same thing now? And really, what an ultra group means is is that these are they've laid their hearts down for the club and 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 they're they're so dedicated to the club that they feel that they're they're part and parcel of that group team.
1: It a hundred percent is. I think that as you said, you need new terminology. No, you don't. I think you just need to look at that the the presence of an ultra group within a club, within a fan base, is different. It's not the, as you said, the stereotypical drinking Stella, wall puncher, skin hits, like, my team gets beaten, I'm going to slap me misses up when I go home. So it's sort of uh, people that we have involved anymore. The fact of the matter is, a lot of these ultra clubs, and I can only speak at League of Ireland level, that's all I know. I can't, I don't know the culture across Europe and across England. But at League of Ireland level, a lot of these ultra groups are involved within the club in terms of a voluntary basis, in terms of a fundraising basis. Uh, a lot of hours and work goes into bringing colour and bringing atmosphere and bringing noise into the clubs. As you said, the, the the group at the Ireland Games did be badly missed, badly, badly missed. The, the Aviva Stadium would be like a library if there, was, if there was nobody bringing some sort of atmosphere to it. I know we can t- we've talked about things like flares, and that's not something I'm going to bring up here. That's, that's a different issue, a different conversation yeah. that, we've, that we've definitely had uh, in the past. I think there is um, a, a stigma around it, a, a wrong stigma around it. It's what as, as I said I'm going to touch on at the question. I know the Slug of Rovers group, uh, Forza Rovers, did have a misunderstanding uh, with the club itself. It, w- it was going to result in the, the group protesting, walking out of games, doing silent protests, uh, this and that. Uh, it was law before anything, anything came to it. So I do think there's still a stigma, even within the clubs, to not necessarily walk with with the ultra groups. So I think if, if the, the club and these groups do have an open line of communication, the, the, a lot of the issues can be worked out very easily. I think they both want the same for the club. A lot of the people in these groups... Again, the the, the idea of them just coming in for fights and coming in to make trouble and just leaving and having no interest in the club and in the team is wrong. A lot of them are either season ticket holders. A lot of them are paying members of the club, and especially clubs like Slug of Rovers that are community-based. A lot of these, with the fundraising efforts and with the membership fee that they do pay, keep the club afloat. So I think the idea of what an knowledge group is, it's it's just outdated. And I'm not going to sit here and say I've went to League of Ireland games and never seen trouble. There's always that aspect of it as well but
0: and there has been more so when the crowds have gone up which is probably natural because you're bringing in yeah. a different element and you nearly need to you nearly need to teach them of the ways that what what's what we're going to accept here and what we're not going to accept here because the crowds have gone up and it's the the interest has gone up so you're gonna have idiots every now and again popping their head in i think it's up to i think it's up to the, those fans who are surrounding them to let them know that things aren't acceptable. Um, I think there should be self policing, uh, in, in in their own way. Um, you know, yeah,
1: you, without turning without, without things yeah, into unnecessary violence. That's yeah, it's a funny, funny one that you did bring up. And genuine, this is not something I was even going to mention, but it was just popped into my head. Uh, St. Pat's were playing uh, F91 Dude Launch in Richmond Park in the return leg of their fourth qualifying game uh, for the Robert Commons League again. Massive crowd, you're going to have people there that necessarily aren't week in, week out. Fans are just going to come while the attraction is there. I believe coming from the section where the, the cinema section, the path point of view, there was racist and uh, slows being been thrown at one of the dude launch players. And straight away, the, the fan was just self-police, evicted out of the ground, wasn't attacked, wasn't viciously mauled, just marched out of the stand. So things like that are changing because. It's it's incidents like that that will be plastered over the mainstream media. We've seen it before. It's, it's very quick to jump on the negativity of the league of violence. Um, but then we seen a couple of months ago in in the GAA there was outburst of violence on Hill Sixteen and that was never mentioned of it. But that was in the league. You know yourself, they would be plastered everywhere. So that is definitely something that even these groups want to wipe out. Is the idea of them being makers, trouble causes. And so because uh, industry, you
0: got that we, message, Nathan, because you got that message, uh, does that mean that there's a frustration there, do you feel, between the supporters and the, cl- and the club or the supporters with the clubs? Or is there something there that they feel that they're being treated wrongly or unfavourably? Or what is it? It's,
1: it seems to be, <laughs> like from reporting on the ground, <laughs> it seems to be, <laughs> uh, as I said, they just want an open line of communication with the club to, not to air grievances, but to work with them and say, look, if you have a problem with anything we're doing in terms of displays, colour, flares, just let's have a, an open discussion about it. Let's not just get heavy-handed in terms of stewarding. And Again, I know the stewards are volunteering doing a job, but let's just have that discussion. And I think the introduction of support clubs, like we've seen it with Dundalk, Jordan went peak sick in church. Nobody can no one in the right mind can say Peak Six had the interest of not only these ultra groups of any fan yeah. in the best interest of Dundalk. And that forced Dundalk and some great we had all clearly on the show before, uh Stephen Todd, who've been involved in heading the game very proudly. Uh, these are people that are highly involved with the Dundalk Supporters Club. Again, it's just having that open line and having that group that has an interest, the, the best interest of the club at heart. Unfortunately. We were joking about Bray Wanderers. this this is something that's has been going on with Bray ever since his merger took over. I don't know if you've seen it, Roy. Right. was a treads doing the uh I think was doing around rounds on Twitter that a, a fan I am not well, I don't know the guy's name, but I wouldn't name him anyway. Uh a, a fan that's been a Bray Wonder supporter for the last twenty years that, Yeah, has now been banned and his season ticket has been refunded. Supposedly all that he done was speak badly of the chairman, which you don't blame them. It's, it's sort of the, the frustration at that club at the moment. There's a fever pitch. It's just been, it's been a mess off the field. I don't mind the on-the-field on stuff since that marriage. It's been an absolute disaster from start to finish. Again, Bray have recently set up, I think, up the last season, a supporters group, just to have the best interest of these fans and just so that you have someone that can represent, again, not only these old groups, but re- represent the common fan as a whole, and that's so important especially when you feel like you're not being heard and not being listened to because you always
0: have to listen to both sides of the stories, Nathan. So uh, anyone who throws up a post and I only did this, and I only did that. You would definitely need to get both sides of the stories on, on, on certain things because uh, sometimes things aren't as apparent as you would think they are. Um, But as we said, there seemed to be a lot of frustration with Bray last year and, uh, we could see it. I mean, it was visual. There was, there was, you know, the the, the video footage of go- managers going into the stands and stuff like that—absolute nonsense. So they have done themselves no favors whatsoever. And yes, communication between clubs, communication between fans. Uh, there should be a liaison officer there that works out things between them. As you said, iron out the creases. Is there things that we we could we need more of? Is there things we need less of from you? And can we control X, Y, and Z? If that there would be a better unity between the clubs and the fans, and I mean most of those fans, the high percentage of those fans want to do what's best for their team, the team that they love.
1: Yeah, no, Amen. Certainly do, um, and it just it's, it's trying to get away from that. as just and I just said uh, get away from that view of that. They're just here to cause trouble. Because the large majority, Aaron, the large majority love what we love, and that's the League of Ireland, and that's the clubs yeah. that they support. Okay.
0: Right, Nathan, I'm going to leave it there. Uh, it's a, a long one today. Thanks very much uh, for your time, Nathan. Thanks very much for your time also for listening. Uh, we appreciate every uh, every listen we get in and every comment and question and query. And if you want to send on any questions that you think should be debated, um, do send them on. To be kickoff96.4 at gmail.com or on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, wherever. Wherever you can find us, uh, give us a shout. Talk to you next week.